0: You are listening to Hypertension Resistant to Treatment, where you will get knowledge, training, resources, and support for better blood pressure control. If you are suffering with high blood pressure or blood pressure that is difficult to treat, this podcast is indeed for you. Here is your host, Dr. Tanya. Hi, I'm Dr. Tanya, and I am here to teach you everything you ought to know about hypertension management. I am a clinical scientist and I've done research over 10 years and I've found some interesting things about hypertension and blood pressure control and medication taking behavior. I would like to share with you all of the information I've found as well as all the information that's out there that that will help you get control of your blood pressure. Stick with me and we'll take this journey to help you improve your blood pressure. Thanks for listening. So today I want to talk about a question that one of my Facebook group members had about dehydration and water intake. And then I will bring in uh, clips from Dr. Greger, Michael Greger, and I'll tell you who he is. And I'll bring in those clips so that we can validate based on science what the answer to this question is. So, one of my face group members posed, doctor said to keep up with my water intake to help my blood pressure. Does anyone find it hard to drink two liters of water a day? I drank 2.5 liters today and it was very hard. And then another face group member said, I have a question. How does drinking water lower blood pressure if people need to take a diuretic, HCTZ, to lower it? And there was one response that said, my doctor told me that the diuretic won't work if you're not taking enough water. And... Another member said water thins the blood. That will reduce the blood pressure as the blood flows better. It helps eliminate salt from your body. Too much water will increase blood pressure as it adds too much liquid into your body. A little water is good, but too much is bad. And the last response that. I see here is I agree. Blood volume, blood pressure, and heart rate are closely linked. Blood volume is normally tightly regulated by matching water intake and water output. The kidneys can regulate water levels in the body. They can conserve water if you are dehydrated and they can make urine more diluted to expel excessive water if necessary. However, water is also lost through the skin through evaporation from the skin surface without overt sweating and from air expelled from the lungs. So you may need to drink more than what is expelled from the kidneys. So as far as I know, there's some truth to all that was said there. Uh, It's true, it's very hard to drink water, the amount of water that you need for your body, and that's at least eight glasses a day, according to research. That's how much we should be drinking. Uh, if you're if you're healthy and if you ha- have healthy kidneys, then eight glasses a day is, is something that you need to do. But if you have heart failure or, some, or kidney disease or uh, some, some other disease that prevents you from doing that, then you would know if your doctor has you on a um, fluid restriction or not. So then you would not want to drink more than whatever that fluid restriction is but for the average person eight glasses of water a day is what should be taken at least so how did research come up with this eight glasses a day that we need Uh, let's hear from dr gregor dr michael gregor is the internationally recognized lecturer and physician, and he's the founder of Nutritional Facts, and he wrote a book about how not to die, and he really knows what he's talking about when it comes down to nutritional facts, and he refers to research as uh, as the answer rather. He goes to the literature and and he answers questions. On nutritional facts with uh, research um, studies, so the question for Dr. Gregor is: How did we come up with this eight glasses of water?
1: More than 2,000 years ago, Hippocrates said, if we could give every individual the right amount of nourishment and exercise, not too little, not too much, we would have found the safest way to health. What does that mean when it comes to water? Water has been described as a neglected, underappreciated, and under-researched subject, but a lot of the papers extolling the need for proper hydration are funded by the bottled water industry turns out the often quoted drink at least eight glasses of water a day has little underpinning scientific evidence. Where did they come up with that then? The recommendation was traced back to this 1921 paper, in which the author measured his own pee and sweat and determined we lose about 3% of our body weight in water a day, which comes out to be about eight cups. Consequently. For the longest time, water requirement guidelines for humanity were based on just one person. But now we have evidence suggesting not drinking enough water may be associated with falls and fractures, heat stroke, heart disease, lung disorders, kidney disease, kidney stones, bladder and colon cancer, urinary tract infections, constipation, dry mouth cavities, decreased immune function, and cataract formation. The problem with many of these studies, though, is that low water intake is associated with several unhealthy behaviors, such as low fruit and vegetable intake, uh, more fast food, less shopping at farmer's markets. And think about it. Who drinks lots of water? Those that exercise a lot. So maybe no wonder they have lower disease rates. Only large and expensive randomized trials could settle these questions definitively, but given that water cannot be patented, such trials seem unlikely. Who's going to pay for them? So we're left with studies that link disease with low water intake. But are people sick because they drink less, or are they drinking less because they're sick? Uh, There have been a few large prospective studies in which fluid intake is measured before disease develops. Uh, For example, a Harvard study, 48,000 men, found that the risk of bladder cancer decreased by 7% for every extra daily cup of fluid one may drink. So, a high intake of water, like 8 cups a day, 8 times 7, may reduce the risk of bladder cancer by about 50%, potentially saving thousands of lives. The accompanying editorial commented that strategies to prevent the most prevalent cancers in the West are remarkably straightforward in principle. To prevent lung cancer, quit smoking. To prevent breast cancer, maintain ideal body weight and exercise. To prevent skin cancer, stay out of the sun. And now it seems that the seemingly simple way to reduce the risk of bladder cancer is just drink more fluids. This is probably the best evidence we have for a cutoff. Uh, 20,000 men and women in the Adventist health study, about half vegetarian, so we're also getting extra water eating more fruits and vegetables. And those drinking five or more glasses of water a day had about half the risk of dying from heart disease compared to those who drank two or fewer glasses a day. And like the Harvard study, this protection was after controlling for other factors such as diet and exercise. So, they suggest it was the water itself, perhaps by lowering blood viscosity, meaning blood thickness. So, based on all the best of evidence to date, authorities from Europe, the U.S. Institute of Medicine, and the World Health Organization recommend between um, 2 and 2.7 liters of water a day for women, that's 8 to 11 cups a day for women, and 10 to 15 cups a day for men. Now, but that's water from all sources, not just beverages. We get about a liter from food and the water our body actually makes. And so, these translate into a recommendation for women to drink 4 to 7 cups of water a day, and men 6 to 11, assuming only moderate physical activity at moderate ambient temperatures. We can also get water from all the other drinks we consume, including caffeinated drinks, with the exception of stronger alcoholic drinks like wines and spirits. Uh, beer can leave you with more water than you started with, but wine actively dehydrates you. Uh, note, though, in the cancer and heart disease studies I mentioned, the benefits were only found with increased water consumption, not other beverages. So, unless you have uh, conditions like heart or kidney failure, women should drink 4 to 7 cups of water a day, and men should drink six to eleven,
0: although there was just one person that produced this study that determined how many cups we should drink a day, we've learned from Dr. Gregor that science has supported the whole idea of the eight cups uh, for women seven to eight cups, and for men, eight to 11 cups a day. But how should we be drinking this um, water? I mean, can you just wake up in the morning and just drink your eight cups all at once and have it done for the day? Or should you be spreading this water out during the day? Does it really matter? So... Let's hear what Dr. Gregor has to say about that. Does it really matter if you spread out your water, or if you just drink it all at once?
2: Single cup may be sufficient to rev up the noradrenaline nerves, but additional benefit is seen at two or more cups. Uh, caution: one should never drink more than three cups in an hour, though, uh, since that starts to exceed the amount of fluid your kidneys can handle. If you have a heart or kidney failure, your physician may not want you drinking extra water at all. But even with healthy kidneys, any more than three cups of water an hour can start to critically dilute the electrolytes in your brain with uh, potentially critical consequences.
0: Now, drinking too much water is very rare. And usually we don't get enough water That said, just keep in mind two cups of water an hour is pretty adequate. So why, how would dehydration cause high blood pressure? And so the Facebook member that talked about the thickness of the blood has a really good idea of how this works. So when you're dehydrated, your blood is thicker. And when you're body sense that your blood is this thick, it's hard to move your blood. or It's hard for your blood to circulate around in your body the way it really should. So your body is trying to help you by uh, sending out some important hormones to uh, take care of pushing that blood around in your body where it needs to go. And these hormones, just by chance, these hormones that your body is, is, uh, is producing or triggering, your body is triggering these hormones to be produced, um, are, these hormones are vasopressin, renin, and angiotensin. And these are hormones that constrict your blood vessels. And when your blood vessels constrict, that increases your blood pressure. So your body is trying to help you by circulating your blood with these, uh, these hormones. So this is how uh, dehydration can cause your blood pressure to be high. So you can see how if you're not drinking enough water uh, and you're staying dehydrated for a while, your body is just producing these hormones, More and more of these uh, vasoconstricting hormones like renin and angiotensin and vasopressin. and, And so all of this is just causing your blood pressure to go up. Now, when you've been dehydrated for a long period of time, your body is just trying to make this thing happen, trying to push your blood around. To your vital organs, but if you're dehydrated for a long period of time, then your body just loses its ability to 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 compensate, and this is when you see people who are dehydrated they they pass out, uh, because their blood pressure uh goes down because they they can't they, their blood pressure is low due to this um these your the their body not being able to compensate for this dehydration so people who faint because they're dehydrated their body is not they don't have enough water in their body to to circulate and to to um, perfuse all of their vital organs and so that's why they faint so this is why if you're drinking adequate amount of water it is thinning your blood, causing your your blood to be easily circulated through your body, not triggering those excessive amount of those hormones to be produced that constrict your blood vessels that would cause your blood pressure to go up. Now, some symptoms of dehydration could be that you, you, dry mouth This really a common symptom of dehydration. But most of the time, by the time your mouth is dry, then you're really chronically dehydrated. And so most people would have just some dizziness when they stand or some shortness of breath or their heart rate may be elevated. Um, It may run in the 90s to 100s or, or more. Their blood pressure may be up. Uh, due to dehydration as well. Uh, just like I said, your blood is trying to, your your body is trying to maintain the circulation. And so it's, it's producing all those hormones and those hormones are causing your blood uh, vessels to constrict. And that's bringing your blood pressure up. It's also increasing your heart rate. And so you may not feel good or you may not feel any different. Um uh, I've had a family member to uh, have this problem. Um, he gets really dehydrated. He doesn't drink enough water. And um, he has passed out a couple of times because of this. And when whenever they bring him to the emergency room, his blood pressure is high, his potassium is low, and uh, he's he's dehydrated, and they give him some fluids and um, pump him up uh, with some um, hydration, and then um, that takes care of it. But don't let this happen to you. Uh, and as I tell him all the time, you got to drink the water, you got to take the um eat the bananas you got to you know make sure you have a high potassium diet um if you if you don't i mean he doesn't have any kidney problems so i try to encourage him to do that but those are symptoms of uh dehydration now uh like i said chronic dehydration causes high blood pressure now but once your body c- it cannot compensate anymore for that Um, dehydration, then you may end up with low blood pressure. And that's what caused you to pass out. Um, Your body is not circulating. Um, Your body is not having enough perfusion to the vital organs. And and that dehydration is causing your heart to work harder and your lungs to work harder um, because your blood is thick and you, and all that thick blood is trying to circulate around your body. So when you drink water, you're, you're hydrating your body and thinning your blood. And that way your heart don't have to work as hard and your lungs don't have to work as hard. That's why to uh, people who are dehydrated, they may be short of breath. Sometimes we want to count anything else that we drink as our water intake, and that is not the way we should think about it, okay? So when we think about our water intake, we want to drink water, and and that's what we're counting, water intake, not juice intake, not uh, soda intake. Uh, It's like some people may drink a six-pack of soda, and think, okay, well, that was 12 ounces and six um, cans. Okay, well, I, I've gotten my water almost. But actually, that soda doesn't count. Let's hear what Dr. Gregor has to say about this um, soda or tea versus water intake.
2: Uh, doesn't have to be plain, straight water. I mean, it shouldn't seem to matter, right? I mean, water is water, whether flavored or sweetened in some diet drink, but it does matter. Uh, when trying to prevent fainting before blood donation, something like juice uh, doesn't work, as well as plain water. And when trying to uh, keep people from getting dizzy when they stand up, well, water works, but the same amount of water with salt added doesn't. What's going on? We used to think the trigger was stomach distension. When we eat, our body shifts blood flow to our digestive tract, in part by releasing noradrenaline to pull in blood from our limbs. This has been called the gastrovascular reflex. So, drinking water was thought to be just a zero-calorie way of stretching our stomach. But instead, drink two cups of saline, basically salt water, and the metabolic boost vanishes. So, stomach expansion can't explain the water effect. We now realize our body appears to detect osmolarity, the concentration of stuff within a liquid, Uh, covertly slip liquids of different concentrations into people's stomachs with a feeding tube, and you can demonstrate this by monitoring sweat production, which is kind of a proxy for noradrenaline release. Uh, This may be a spinal reflex, as it's preserved in quadriplegics, or or picked up by the liver, as we see less noradrenaline release in in, in liver transplant patients who've had their liver nerves severed, uh, whichever the pathway. Our body can tell. Okay, so there you have
0: it. Your body can tell if you're drinking uh, sodas versus water. So don't count your uh, water intake, your soda intake as water intake. So what about the filtered water? Is that something that we should be doing? Is it tap water that we should be drinking? Or is it? the filter took water that we should be drinking uh